Have you realized yet that your purpose in life is constantly evolving? The thing is, it can only evolve, grow, and expand to the extent you're willing to do the work to heal. That's why I've created a transformative half-day virtual event designed for purpose chasers who want to integrate their authentic selves in every aspect of their life. Together, we're going to co-create conversations around reflecting on current patterns, amplifying your genuine desires, prioritizing fulfillment over the facade of what you should do, and we'll talk about achieving actual tangible results. I believe our work together will have a profound impact on your life as we break you out of autopilot, scale your potential, and set you up to attract everything you say you desire. Plus, this space will be an enjoyable and supportive environment for new connections with like-hearted purpose chasers from all over the world. Together, we will laugh, dance, and maybe cry, but we'll be doing the work together. If this speaks to your soul and you want to detox and release what's no longer serving you so you can live fully in the pillars of redefining wealth, tickets are currently complimentary for this half day of coaching, training, and co-creating a new blueprint for your heart's desires directly with me. So grab your ticket today at patricewashington.com slash soul detox. That's patricewashington.com slash soul detox. People think that if you don't know about money or if you lose money or if you don't do right with your money, that you're stupid. You're not stupid. You just weren't taught. You are listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with the CEO and founder of Goal Setter. She says that if we're going to be better with money, we have to start closing the gap. I am so excited to be continuing this money series, this thoughtful money series. And again, what I wanted us to do over these next several weeks, yes, in in appreciation for Financial Awareness Month, but really just period, is become people who are more thoughtful around the conversations that we need to have about money. It's no longer a luxury. It's no longer something that we can maybe do when we get around to it. It is mandatory, especially if you are a person of color. When you hear the statistics that Tanya lays out in this episode, If it does not lay you out, I don't know what else will. It is so imperative that we do our part to close the gap, to close the wealth gap, the financial education gap, the funding for women enterprises, like all of these things come up in this conversation and it's a deep one, but it's good. Tanya Van Court is the founder and CEO of Goal Setter, a family-saving financial literacy and smart spending app that makes it easy for the whole family to go cashless and learn how to be money smart. Goal Setter is Nickelodeon meets fintech. It combines the best of fintech companies like Acorns and Cash App with financial education and gaming that appeals to the whole family. Prior to Van Cord's role at Goal Setter, she served as a senior vice president of partner marketing at Discovery Education. She's also worked at Nickelodeon, where she led their digital preschool and parenting businesses, including NickJr.com and Noggin.com. I know you remember that. And prior to Nickelodeon, Van Cord served as vice president of new media products for ESPN. This woman holds two degrees in engineering from Stanford University and three degrees in parenting from her three children, Gabriel, Hendricks, and Maxwell. Without further ado, here's my good girlfriend, Tanya Van Court. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Tanya. Thank you, Patrice. You know, there is nowhere I would rather be. Let me tell you guys, you, you know when you've known people for some years, you know, and then they start blowing up and and they're raising, maybe you don't know, maybe you don't know people who are out there, you know, raising millions of dollars for their financial literacy app and, and, and doing all these amazing things. But I'll tell you what, boy, people act brand new when, when they get on Shark Tank and, and they start doing all the things. I, I, I tried to get Tanya on the podcast. I can't tell you guys for how long. And I finally had to just call her on the cell phone and talk crazy and say, is this how you do your friends? Is this what you do? 
Patrice, I think I hear my dog calling me. I think I hear my dog calling. I'm going to have to go now. <laughs> you and this dog. She also told me that the dog ate her phone before we started uh, recording. You go stop putting everything on this dog and the cat. Hi, friend. I'm so excited you're here. I am more excited. You know, there is honestly nothing I would rather do. I promise you, my schedule is back to back to back to back all day today. And I looked at my schedule and I saw this time with you and I got so excited as I always do when I get to talk to you. Tanya, I'm trying to understand why I like you so much. <laughs> like, like we met at a conference, right, years ago now. Yeah. And I like instantly, I felt like, you were my friend, like my instant girlfriend. Why, why, how, why, why do I like you so much? Because we are kindred spirits and because we both chase purpose, not money. Yes, we do. Just sweatshirt. I mean, it's just because honestly, I really believe that we are just, we are sisters in this mission and we care about people and we care about the people we're serving and So that, so it was natural. It was like, I didn't want anything from you other than to help me help people. And I want to help you help people. And so, you know, I think when you are a servant like that, you see that in other people and you just, you know, you want to be there on that journey with them. And that's how I feel about you. I am amazed. My son is more amazed by you. I was going to ask about my boyfriend. I really was. The 11 year old. He's 11 now. Be careful. (laughs) I have to tell the audience that I met him in New York at my last book signing five years ago. That was five years ago in New York. You guys came to my book signing and Tanya, tell them, because I don't want to brag on myself. Tell them, tell them what he said. You can't. I mean, he was, first of all, sitting in the audience at a grown person's book signing, just quiet and attentive. And I was so impressed. I thought, Wow, he is really astute to be sitting here at this book signing at Barnes and Noble in Manhattan and so well behaved. This isn't like him. And then I noticed that his mouth was kind of hanging open and he was just staring at Patrice. And I was like, Hendrix, you like her? And he was like, Yes. I said, You think she's pretty? He said, Uh huh. (laughs) He was so enamored with you. You were his first crush, Patrice. I promise you, I've never seen that boy look like that before or since. Oh, or since. Or Come since. on. We better leave an impression. <laughs> there you go. A five-year he, he was so sweet. And I just rem- I remember like afterwards hugging him and him looking at me like. Superstar. Yeah, just like, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so anytime Tanya and I speak, I always have to ask about my boyfriend, my little boyfriend. Speaking of kids, uh, you know, my child is actually a big fan of yours right now. No. Oh, yeah. My life. You are she, so happy. She's a big fan of yours because she has a goal setter account. I love it. Yes. Yes, she does. She does her financial lit quizzes on her goal setter account. So, you got to tell everyone about Goal Setter. This whole series is about thoughtful money for Financial Awareness Month. And I really wanted to have conversations with folks who are thoughtful about their approach towards finances. And one of the areas that I want us all to be more thoughtful about is in the way that we talk about money with the young people in our lives. You don't have to be a mother or father, but you know a kid. You've seen a child somewhere, right? And so... How do we bring them into this more thoughtfully so they don't become like many of us, 30, 40, 50, 60, just now understanding some of even the more basic things around money? Well, the first thing that I would say, Patrice, is that to bring up a young person or influence a young person in a thoughtful fashion, you first have to forgive yourself and not expect yourself to be this money maven or this money mister, right? And the reason I say that is because society has not made it easy on us. Society has given us tools that benefit companies, but don't benefit people. And, and, you know, I was in a group of 16-year-olds, and these are all 16-year-olds. They were about 50 16-year-olds who all come from backgrounds where they were, were in need, 
And I asked that group of 15 year olds, how many of you has cash app? And 48 of them raised their hands, Patrice. And so you know what that tells me? It tells me that when we say, hey, there are certain communities who are unbanked or who can't get access to fintech products, they can, but the fintech products that we are giving to them are fintech products that teach them to send money and spend money. And guess what? The last I checked, there is not a teenager or a kid in America who needs tutelage sending and spending money. So we as Americans have not done a good job of bringing meaningful and mindful financial products to children. And that's what we're trying to disrupt. Oh, my gosh. You're not trying. You're doing it. You're doing it. And I've seen it evolve. So, like I said, I've, I've, you know, we've known each other for years now and, and you had a name change and the website changed and all the things that you've added. Why a heart for teaching young people? Why was that? You could have gone in any direction, right, when you left Stanford. Why, why teaching young people in particular? <laughs> Patrice, I really don't feel like I had a choice. I, I honestly feel like my footsteps were a little bit ordained for me, um, is the truth of the matter. So I grew up in Oakland, California. My mom was an elementary school teacher in the East Oakland Public Schools. She was a single mom of six kids who used to bring home more kids on the weekends. And when I say that, I am not lying to you. My sister texted me a picture a couple weeks ago of me and another little girl when I was little. And she was like, oh, look at you when you were young. So cute. And I said, well, who's this other little girl standing next to me? And she said, oh, I don't know. That was some little girl mommy brought home that weekend. And so, you know, for me, I have always had the example of mothers and aunties and grandparents in my life who bridged gaps for other people and did so through education. Education was always paramount and primary in our family. So fast forward for me, I went to Stanford, got these two degrees in engineering. You know, people would say, oh, wow, you're smart. You went to Stanford, you majored in engineering, not once, but two times, that's great. And then I was in my late 20s and I was working at a company that gave me a lot of stock and it was in Silicon Valley. And so I had a million dollars in stock and stock options in 2001. And I had no idea what a stock option was. I had no idea what to do with stock. No one in my family had ever owned stock, certainly had not talked about stock. And so I just left it there and, you know, my stock vested and I just left it there and the stock went up and I just left it there because I didn't know what diversification was or asset allocation was or anything else. And then in 2001, the big technology bubble burst and I lost every dime of that million dollars in a matter of hours, hours. I mean, I remember staring at my computer screen and feeling like I was in like Wonka world. I was like, what is going on? Wait, no, 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 it's gonna turn around. (laughs) It must, what goes down must come up. Is that a saying? No, that's not a saying. So, so in that moment, I said to myself, you know what, Tanya, that was really stupid. I I didn't, I should have done something different. I still didn't know what I should have done different, but I knew I should have done something different. And I said, but I can't turn back the hands of time. All I can do is make sure this doesn't happen to my own kids. And so that's where it comes from. That's where- Tanya, you know, I did, I don't think I remembered that story. I'm not sure if I've heard it. I know. I don't know if I told you. And the reason I tell that story so much now, Patrice, is because people think that if you don't know about money or if you lose money or if you don't do right with your money, that you're stupid. You're not stupid. You just weren't taught. Oh, that is the lesson that emerged for me from that time in my life. No one in my career, no one who knew me in school, none of my friends would say Tanya's not a smart person. But I wasn't smart about money because I didn't know. And if you don't know better, you can't do better. So that's why my passion around not just giving people a tool to let them trade or to let them interact and transact, giving them the tools to help them learn. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that you're telling that story now. I'm so glad. And this is what I always talk to my clients about when like I I have loved you since I met you, but I have an even deeper connection because of that. Right. Because I lost all my money, you know, in, in the recession in 2007, 2008. And so sometimes it is, you know, I think a lot of us 
don't necessarily tell those stories sometimes because we we I'll speak for myself. I thought it would take away from my credibility in what I was building. And, and I was like, I'm not going to tell. Yeah. And there's shame. You feel like, oh, my gosh, I feel so ashamed of that that decision or that lack of decision or that lack of knowledge. But I really believe that those those times are the moments that we need to experience in order to fuel our purpose, in order for you and I to be servants in the way that we are. Because how can you serve people when you don't understand people, when you've never walked in their shoes, when you've never felt their pain or felt their worry or their fear or their insecurity, right? We felt all of that. We have felt all of that. And so you know what it feels like. So you know how to bridge that gap for them. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So so tell me why you didn't bend towards then, oh, I should do something to help young people getting out of college. Like, or, you know, like why still was it children? And did you have this idea and start this before you even had children of your own? No, I didn't. So I, you know, I, I said to myself, I wouldn't let my own children suffer that same kind of lack of knowledge and calamity. And I did not have children when this this happened to me. And so fast forward um, many years, I think I didn't have kids until five years later. Um, But when I had a daughter, when I had my daughter, Gabrielle, from the minute she was born, I mean, I'm surprised I didn't name her, you know, Dollar Bill, because from the minute she was born, (laughs) I started teaching her about money. And so when she was four years old, we would play the money game where I would have change in my pocket, I would pull it out of my pocket and I would say, if you can tell me what each coin is called, you can have it. Mm. And she would start fleecing me for my coins. And so then I said, well, this has to get harder. So I said, okay, well, if you can tell me what each coin is worth and what it's called, you can have it. And then she would start taking all my money. And then I would say, if you can add the coins up and tell me the total amount here, then you can have it. So it just got harder and harder. And so finally, I told her, look, if you can go and figure out how to raise $100, I will match that $100 and we'll open up an investment account for you. And she said, what's an investment account? And this is when she was eight years old. And so I explained to her in little girl terms what it was and what it meant. And she got all excited. And she, I think, was really excited about that. You know, I'll match you the $100. So she got all excited and she started doing work around the house. She started cleaning up and and doing extra math work and things that she knew I would pay her to do. And she got to $30. And then her birthday rolled around and she said, mommy, for my ninth birthday, I really only want two things. And I said, what's that? And I was relieved, right? Because our kids all have too much. And Mm -hmm. I thought, I don't know what to get you for your ninth birthday anyway. You have too much already. So she said, I only want two things. And I said, what's that? And she said, enough money to save for that investment account and a bike. Yeah. And I thought, Patrice, in that moment, like I still remember the moment like it was yesterday. She is this little caramel colored child. She had these two puff ponytails on the side of her head. And I thought in that moment, wow, I did it. I got her to understand by the age of eight, the value of money and what an investment account is and to save for that and to make it a priority. But my immediate next thought was, if I can get every child to say that, I can change the world. Uh, I love it. I love it. I I love, I want to go back to the simplicity of, the way you began to engage her around personal finance, because to your point, when a lot of us carry such shame and guilt or maybe embarrassment around some of our ups and downs with money, then we tend to think I'm going to steer away from that conversation altogether. But the truth is, first of all, you know more than they do. So you definitely know if nothing else, you can teach from what not to do, right? Just by having the conversation. But Something as simple as acknowledging the value of the coins or, you know, I used to talk to Reagan and um, the grocery store. We used to look at the units like is this like right, like compare packages and stuff like now, does this make more sense or does that make more sense? And she'd be like, mommy, they are stealing from people. <laughs> right. She when she start breaking things down. Right. But 
that was me being able to talk to her around that same age, eight, nine years old, and help her kind of figure out the difference and pay more attention. And that was, those were good seeds. And it didn't take being America's money maven and America's fintech queen. Like it doesn't take all that. It takes having conversation at the level where your kids are. Completely. I have another thing that it takes that's even simpler, Patrice. It takes saying no. Oh, come on. See, y'all know this, my friend. Go ahead, friend. So my son, the 11-year-old, for Christmas, he wanted a Nintendo Switch. So I went and looked up at the Nintendo Switch, and it it had a three in front of the price. I I don't know what was after that, but it had a three. It may have been $349, $379. Whatever it was, as soon as you blacked out. (laughs) Exactly. I passed out. I was like, what? A three, huh? You want a what? So um, look, but as a good mother, I went and bought him a Nintendo Switch game. Not the Switch itself, just the game. (laughs) Wait, you teased my you did you tease my little boyfriend? What? I did. I did indeed. But because the game was $50, I could manage that for Christmas. But I could manage that. So I bought him the Mario Brothers game. That's the one he was excited about because he said he wanted the Switch and the Mario Brothers game. So, you know, I heard or. He said and, but I heard or. So I went ahead and got (laughs) the game. And so guess what he is saving for now? He's saving for that Nintendo Switch. Okay, but see, wait a minute, Tanya, because I hear the collective sigh of mothers and fathers all over the country, all over the world. But what happened on Christmas Day when he opened the game and was looking for the Switch? Well, he was really excited when he opened the game because I'm sure he thought the Switch was coming. So I still got the, you know, the level of excitement I was hoping for when he opened the game. And then when there was no Switch, he was like, wait, mom, how am I going to play the game? I don't have the Switch. And I was like, oh, I guess you can just save for it. And then you'll be able to play your game. And he was like, oh, okay. I mean, there were not tears. There was not, it was like, oh, okay. And so he started saving for his switch and he does extra chores around the house and he just got a good report card and asked if he could have some money for his good report card. I do pay for good grades. Um, So I gave him some money for his good report card and he's saving for it. And he is learning the power and the value of delayed gratification. Yeah and goal orientation and what it feels like to save for a goal and reach that goal yourself, which is amazing. He's learning all of that. Which is something that a lot of adults don't know, to be honest, right? We, we don't really know in many, in many environments, the, the concept of delayed gratification. It's like, it's my money and I want it now. I'm going to do what I want now. I'll think about tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll think about Next year, when I get there, I'm just going to get what I want now and then hope for the best later. And I love that you're teaching that principle about it starts with no. What do you say to parents who are like, but Tanya, you don't understand. I didn't grow up with a lot. And all I've wanted to do was make sure that my kids always have everything I never had. And I couldn't imagine saying no. They're good kids. And you are giving them everything that you didn't have. You're giving them the financial language and literacy that they didn't have. You're giving them the ability to save and understand the power of saving early. You're giving them self-confidence and self-esteem when they see what it feels like to get something on their own without somebody else having to get it for them. You're giving them so much more than you could ever dream of giving them by just buying them that item. You are giving them the power to be financially free adults. And that's what we really want to give our kids as parents. Everything that we never had, but not the consumer things, the confidence things. Oh, not the consumer things, the confidence things. I love that. I remember years ago, I was in Walmart and (laughs) we were at the counter checking out and Reagan had some stuff. She had some some money that I don't know if it was from birthday or someone gave her. She knew how to give, save, spend. And it was the money in her spend envelope because we used to make these envelopes, decorate them. And she knew the difference. And she had her spend envelope, but she didn't quite um, factor in tax. 
<laughs> and um, she got she had one like a couple too many things. So we're at the counter and I'm like, well, you have to make a decision. Yes, you do. And the woman behind me, I've told this story before, was like, oh, my gosh, I will just like I will give this baby five dollars. Who does that? And I turned and looked at this lady. <laughs> I said, that's that's not the real world. In the real world, you have to make decisions about what's necessary right now and what's not. Like, and this is my lesson, ma'am. I definitely don't need your $5. I need you to kick back and let me teach my lesson. But she was acting like I was the worst mother in the world because I was trying to teach my daughter a lesson. And you know what, Patrice, this is why I'm so glad I wasn't there with you because I would have turned to her and said, I am so glad you are providing the money to cover my overages because I have $50 of extra stuff that I'd like to get myself and I don't want to make a decision. So can you cover my $50 too? If that's the way the real world works, just cover my 52. But if you're not going to cover my 50, then you shouldn't cover my daughter's five. Because you're going to teach her that when she grows up, somebody is going to always be there flanking her in the back of her in line to cover what she doesn't have. And that's not the lesson I'm trying to teach her. So either give me 55 or let me go ahead and have her put something back. (laughs) I know that's right. But I mean, but it's true. Like, you know, we have to teach our children these lessons that the world isn't going to teach them because the truth of the matter is. We are in an America where there are only 13 states in our union that require personal finance classes for kids to graduate from high school. Isn't that insane? Yes, but if the world isn't teaching that woman behind you and it's not teaching the majority of Americans, then those are the people who are going to teach Reagan if you don't. And so we have to be diligent about teaching our kids. It's not happening in schools. It's not happening outside of our home. And so we have to be. And it's the one thing we all need, no matter what you choose as a career path. So how is it not a staple subject? It should be, I should have personal finance, I believe. This is me. Before I have astronomy, this is me. Now, if you want to go into (laughs) astronomy or these days, absolutely, you need to. But why did I have that and not personal finance? I don't why do I know the periodic table and I don't know what the difference between a stock and a bond is when I'm graduating from high school, right? But I know the difference between helium elements. Yes. And nitrogen. Like and I and I know the abbreviation for each. Surely at least that time could have been spent. I mean, to your point, a hundred percent of people in this country need personal finance. Only ten percent of people need to know that periodic table. I mean, it's you know I'm definitely not in the ten percent, friend. I can tell you now, I, I I did enough memorization for it to last to get through uh, AP chemistry. Haven't haven't looked back. <laughs> oh, see, but you got the AP chemistry. That's impressive. I wow. did. I know it's not impressive to a double engineering major, but I'm just saying, like you know, it is. I, I knew it. I knew it for the exam. I, I got my little AP credits. Okay, so you have been doing really amazing work around education in this area. This year already. So back in February, you you were busy. Can you just share? Because I want people to follow you and to know the power of what you're doing with Goal Setter. So, um, yes, back in February, we were so busy, um, but in such a good and extraordinary way. We kicked off a campaign called Drafted. The goal of Drafted was to get a million black and brown kids in particular saving. And the reason we think that that is so important, oh, I'm sorry, let me back up. We kicked off the campaign drafted in conjunction with the NBA Players Association. And so our goal is to get a million black and brown kids saving. And and why is that our goal? Well, because by 2053, African-Americans are projected to have a negative net worth and Latinos are only 20 years behind. And so we think about that as a curse that we need to reverse. And we need to reverse that curse by getting every kid in America a savings account. And why do we think that will help reverse the curse? Because kids who have savings accounts in their name are six times more likely to go to college and four times more likely to own stocks by the time they're 25 years old. 
So if we can wave a magic wand, get every kid in America a savings account today. So every everyone who's listening, that means your kid, your grandkid, your godchild, your niece, your nephew, then those kids don't have to be walking towards a negative net worth. Those kids can know early on how to build a positive net worth and how to build generational wealth. And so that's what we kicked off in February. We kicked it off. Oh, and by the way, I'm sorry, I have to share one more statistic that's super important here because a lot of times people hear that statistic about 2053 and they say, oh, those poor other folks in my community or in that community, right? So here's this other statistic that I need to share that everyone needs to pay attention to. 70% of middle-class African-Americans are projected to have a child that falls out of the middle class in their lifetime. Wait a minute. You heard me. Say that again. 70% of middle-class Black Americans are projected to have a child that falls out of the middle class in their lifetime. I didn't know that statistic, Tanya. I'm happy to cite the reference and, and share it with you afterwards, Patrice. Yeah, I did not know that statistic, but let me tell you something. It doesn't surprise me. Patrice, and I hate that it doesn't surprise me. That, I mean, that that's Reagan and Gabrielle and Hendrix. These are our children. If we don't teach our children about how to retain the wealth that we have created, how to grow it, how to preserve it, they will take three steps back. And it is frightening to me. You know what's frightening? In, in the work that I've done and in, in folks that I've worked with personally is the extent to which parents will go to provide a level of comfort for their children so that they never experience a hurdle. That's like, right. I think it, like it's it's beyond the helicopter parent. I think they call them where they're just always hovering around. Like, you know, I was speaking for Paul Mitchell schools um, pre-COVID for probably 18 months. And I would go into the schools all over the country and there's a wide range of folks, but a lot of the people there are just fresh out of high school. 18, 19, 20. And the number of times I would hear from educators there that parents would come in to discuss things for the 19, 20, 21 year olds. And I'm like, but what do you mean? If they didn't like a grade, the parent would come in and try to get with the teacher. If they didn't like something or if they weren't happy about something, they could not themselves articulate and have a conversation and be their own advocate. Their parent was coming in and I'm like, well, how is that preparing them for the real world? Like when they go get a job, when you're negotiating your salary, do you think your mom's going to come and that somebody's going to let her come and talk? to like? Absolutely. No, that's right. I have actually had colleagues who have told me that parents have written in and said, why didn't my child get a, a promotion yet? Excuse me. You heard me. For kids who were fresh out of college and had been at a job for nine months and expected to get a promotion after nine months, I've had a parent write in and say, I'm writing in on behalf of X. Why haven't they gotten a promotion? Yes. Let me tell you, the entitlement that comes with this participation ribbon generation is definitely going to lead us to take several steps back if we don't pull it together. No, like we, we have to do the work, to your point, to pull this together, to allow our kids to be their own advocate, to allow them to understand these terms, have some familiarity with it, which I love. So when, you know, Reagan has goal setter, right? So I see her like, okay, because what I love about goal setter is that the references are like Biggie, Jay-Z, like it, they're very pop culture, like they're hip hop references. So she knows everything, right? Like, so she can... Even if she doesn't quite understand, she'll come back. She might get it right, but then she'll be like, okay, I'm gonna, I want to look this up because I didn't understand. I got the reference, but I wasn't 100% certain, but it got her mind thinking, I want to understand more about that, more than I could just talking to her because I drive her nuts. She's so tired of me. That's been money making her whole, her whole life, 10 years out of her 13. She's so tired of me. But to have something that allows her to... Like to have her own interest in this space without it always having to come from me is really nice because I know that at some point 
with me, it's like womp, womp, womp. But she wants to get that that money that she gets when she, when her quiz is right. The only way she's gonna get that money is if that quiz is done and she knows it. So I love it. And you know, it's funny that you said, you know, Reagan will be like looking at the screen, like, okay, because I watch my own kids taking their quizzes. And my son like argues with the screen as if it's a 2K game. He's like yelling at the screen, no, that's not right. Mom, y'all got the answer wrong here. I'm like, no, trust me. I think that would be you who got it wrong, (laughs) not us. But it's so, you know, it's wonderful to see them engaged in the topics and laughing and having fun. And I mean, just learning these key financial literacy concepts that are life-changing. And when we develop these quizzes, before we develop any quiz, we think about what are the aha moments in that quiz that we want these kids to experience, right? So, you know, there's a little girl in Brooklyn and her name is Sade and she's extraordinary. She's 12 years old. She's been using Goal Setter for nine months. And NBC News was doing an interview with her about Goal Setter. And they said, what do you love best about Goal Setter? And she said, the thing that I love best is that it teaches me things about money I never knew I was supposed to know. I thought money was all about saving some and spending some, but now I know it's about frugality and compound interest and the rule of 72. Come on. And so we are we're making her multilingual, but in the language of money, we're giving her confidence so that when she gets out of her, her parents' home when she's 18, when she buys her first home when she's in her 20s, she'll know that there's a big difference between a 3.85% interest rate and a 3% interest rate. She'll know that because we've had those aha moments baked into and built into the quizzes where they can see, oh, wow, that that amounts to tens of thousands of dollars over the lifetime of, of my mortgage. All threes aren't made the same. 3.85 is different than three. <laughs> That's and, right. And so those are the, the aha financial moments that we're trying to share and bake into these really engaging quizzes that, that speak to them and meet them where they are. And let's just be real, Patrice, right? When has there ever been a fintech app that is run by an African-American woman who comes from Nickelodeon and from Discovery Education that can package all of those things into an app that says, I'm going to love you like a Black mother. I'm going to educate you like a a technology, an educational technology company. And I'm going to entertain you like one of the biggest brands in our country. That's what we're going to do all in one app and deliver it to you and your doorstep so that you can finally get what you deserve which is a financial education that's engaging and that prepares you for financial freedom. That's what we're doing. I'm so proud of you. I'm just looking at you. I am so proud of you. And I know that it hasn't been easy as a Black woman in FinTech to raise money for this baby of yours. You have been passionate about this since the day I met you. And for all of the hurdles that you've had to jump over, crawl under, kick <laughs> kick to the side, and that you still are doing, can you just speak really quickly, and I know I have to let you go, but can you speak quickly to, <laughs> if it can't be quick, um, what it's like to be in this fintech space, in a technology space period, as a Black woman founder, when you see ideas by your counterparts that are not even as thought through, like and people who don't necessarily have the extent of the background that you have to do this. And they're raising triple, quadruple, 10 times, 20 times the money. How do you just keep going in the face of that? You know, it is, it's gut-wrenching. Um, I have to tell you, it's gut-wrenching. I tell people all the time, I've gotten so close to the belly of the beast, and now I really see what the beast looks like. There was an, an article um, that was written back in February, um, and it said, kids' fintech ha- apps are getting really hot as financial literacy is becoming um, interesting to venture capitalists. 
And, um, and that article in particular, right, there were, there were five kids fintech apps and companies that were, were cited. Four of them were white male-led companies. I was the only one that was led by a woman. I am the only one that is led by a person of color. And all of the other four have raised between 50 million and $250 million. And we've raised six. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And by the way, and none of them has financial literacy or financial education embedded in them. None of them. And so here we are with a product that is literally leaps and bounds ahead of what our competition offers. And we've gotten significantly less money in this venture capital marketplace. And it is gut-wrenching because what it means, it's a window into America for me, right? If you don't fund Black woman-led companies, they can't bring products to market that uniquely serve Black and Brown constituents in a way that they've never been served and help them to close the wealth gap for the next generation in a way that no one else has been able to. So we just starve the companies. And if we starve the companies, then we starve the communities. And we continue to have the chasm that we have that we have created over the course of America. And that's the gut-wrenching part. This isn't just about Tanya. It is so little of this is about Tanya, right? I could have stayed in corporate America and made far more money than I've made over the past five years. You know that, Patrice. This is not about me. This is about giving life and voice to communities that deserve to have this product and who deserve to um, be able to understand wealth and building wealth in a way that no one has ever, ever taught them before. And so that's why I keep going, right? That's why I am passionate and driven and committed and gritty because, you know, I I stand in these shoes that are, are very privileged shoes where I get to serve our communities, but I also stand in these shoes that not many people could stand in, right? I had a career where I made money and so I've got money tucked away. And so you can starve me of capital for four years, I'm going to keep going. I, I will I will find a way and I will keep going, right? I am standing in these shoes where there are not many other people who have two Stanford degrees in engineering. So when you give me that as a as a criterion check, I've, I've met your criterion, right? So I, I will keep fighting because I know that I am uniquely designed and positioned to keep fighting in this space. And if I don't, it's going to be very hard for someone to come behind me and serve these communities in the way that I want them. And I know that they need to be served. So, so that's why I said in the beginning, Patrice, when you said, why do you do this? And I feel, I said, I feel like I'm a little ordained. Like I I feel like these are the footsteps that have been ordained for me in order to help folks who need help. So that's it. How can we support as a community? Cause I'm, I'm listening to you. And I don't know why I feel so emotional. To your point, it's beyond the fact that I just genuinely love you as a person, but just your heart for why you keep showing up and why you keep going and just the disparity, it's gut-wrenching. And how do we do more? Like I've told all my friends, you need to have a goal setter account, but like, How do we do more as the Redefining Wealth community to really rally behind you as a a woman, as a Black woman, as someone who just has a heart to serve and to be proactive about the work it's going to take to close this gap, right? What do we do? Well, the thing that I love about where we are as America is, you know, we're in this space where technology drives success, right? Even if my competitors, my competitors are running ads on air. That's how much money they have, right? We barely have enough money to to run ads on Instagram. They're running ads on air. But guess what? If everyone on this call says, I'm going to tell 10 people about Goal Setter, I'm going to go onto Instagram right now. I'm going to tag them, tag Goal Setter and say, hey, you need to sign your kids up for this. You need to sign your nieces, nephews, godchildren, grandchildren. We need every kid we know signed up for this app and tell 10 more friends once you're done, right? That is what leads to movements being made. And, you know, we are going to be that app that is constantly looking out for you and your family and your community. So you know that your children 
and, and your family can be trusted with us now and into the future. And so, you know, having that level of confidence and community backing us, that's what's going to make us go far. We can make this a viral movement just with ourselves. We don't need television ads. We need everyone who is a part of this community saying, this app is important and it's important to every kid I know. And by the way, tag, you know, Goal Setter is not just for one community or another. Tag everyone you know. It's as good for a Morgan Stanley employee's kids as it is for a McDonald's employee's kid. I mean, there are no kids in America who are getting financial literacy now. All kids in America are listening to the same music, listening to the same lyrics, and all of them love Goal Setter. So tag everyone you know, let everyone you know um, know about and experience what Goal Setter is all about, and we can make this a movement without television ads. Amen. Come on. I love it. Okay, Purpose Chasers, you heard that. We we need some movement. So don't act brand new when you see me tagging up Goal Setter. Get on in here and tag with me. And seriously, you guys, we have to share. I don't do this, right? Like I don't, people don't come on the podcast and I make some big, hey, we're all going to do the thing. You know, I definitely only promote the books that I like, but this is way beyond that. And I just know your heart, your commitment, your dedication. And I know from watching my own daughter for the last year, I know that she is more financially savvy despite her mother being dubbed as America's money maven because everybody know I'll barely talk about money anymore. So I harass my family, but we talk about all the other parts of wealth. But what she's learned over the last several months, Tanya, I tip my hat to you because if it were not for the way Goal Setter was set up, she would have deleted that app, disengaged, been uninterested, many, many months ago. But the fact that I keep seeing her tune back in and reminding me, you owe me money, do it on my goal setter. <laughs> she's trying to get her card right now. So now she's there. She wants her card. That is a testament to what you've built. And I am so incredibly proud of you. And I just, man, we got to support. And, and beyond the podcast, girl, we need to do more on social media. I don't know what we need to do, but I, I know that you always have me in my platform for however we can support. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. You know that. I just, I love you. I love what you do. I'm grateful that you, that we have your support because that says a lot. I know that you don't just support any old thing out there. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm funny like that. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm well aware. And so having your support, having Reagan's support, it speaks volumes. And and those are the stories, by the way, Patrice, you know, during those five years, those are the stories that keep me going. I'm going to tell you, I want to read one last message to you before we, before we sign off that I just got today. I think what y'all are doing is great. I'm a father of three. I served eight years in prison and have been home a little over a year now. I wish I would have had someone in my life who taught me about financial literacy earlier in my life. I just want to help my girls get a better start than I had in life. Yeah. And those are the, those are the messages though. That's the emotional currency that keeps you fighting, you know, keeps you moving forward. When you get those emails, the DMS, the notes, and you know that it's making a difference. Absolutely. I love it. Oh, shoot. I'm supposed to ask you these quick questions. You, your assistant's probably going to beat me up. Let me ask you these quick questions. Redefining wealth, rapid wisdom. How do you define success? I define success by living your purpose, finding your purpose, and walking closer and closer to where you are meant to be every day, every month, every year. Let's see, this is my, my friend. Okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Being financially free. What's one book that has helped you redefine wealth? I, I hate to tell you, Patrice, but the last book that I read was your book that I picked up at your book something because I don't have time to read. And so that book <laughs> is the one book that has helped me to redefine wealth. And you know that. Listen, uh, I mean, if it's real money answers for every woman, I mean, what can we say? It just is what it is. <laughs> It is literally real money answers for every woman and it's for every woman, including, as you said, 
you know, the mother out here who is trying to get her own things in order and teach her own kids about it. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have everything mastered just because you're working in the money space. And so yes. what, I love, what I love about Real Money Answers is, is you speak to all of us. And so that, that absolutely helped me and it helped my son to find a girlfriend. Yes, it did. Yeah. <laughs> Fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Tanya Van Corn. And to me, the truth about wealth is we can all achieve it. It is not for one segment of society and only them. Amen. Thank you, Tanya. This was amazing. I'm glad I stalked you and talked to you crazy. The dog, Patrice, the dog. Okay, was that not such a great, yummy, phenomenal conversation? I feel so blessed to know Tanya and to know her heart, her character, and the work that she is doing to close the gap. Again, it's closed the gap in financial education. It's closed the gap in just wealth generation. And in this whole concept of women, especially women of color who are raising money for their ventures. I told you the statistics were going to be a mess, right? Yeah. And that means that we all need to be more thoughtful about who we're investing in, what we're investing in, how we're showing up for these conversations around money. We must all be thoughtful. And I know that one of the things Tanya talks about is that kids who have savings accounts in their names are not only six times more likely to go to college, they're also four times more likely to own stocks by the time that they're young adults. And I really believe in this mission of making sure that, you know, this next generation isn't foreign to the idea of a savings account. So I've been talking to Tanya about what we can do as purpose chasers in this community. I have some info in the show notes if you want to get involved. I'm going to be talking more about this in our Redefining Wealth Facebook group, but I think as purpose chasers, I would love for us to come together and invest in children who may not otherwise be able to, you know, get a savings account. Like, what can we do? She's doing a lot of initiatives with the NBA and the NFL, but I think purpose chasers are just as powerful, don't you? So when you see me talking about it in social, when you get the emails from me, when you see me posting about this, you know this woman's voice, you know what she's up to, and she needs our support. So let's do it. So again, join me in that free Redefining Wealth Facebook community group. We're going to be talking more about this. You can share your thoughts on this Thoughtful Money series. And don't forget to rate, review, share, subscribe to the podcast. I would love to have you. And I'm always reading the reviews and I'm so grateful for the ratings because it helps other people find us. And if you think we should be found every time you think about it, rate, review and share the podcast. All right. Until next time, we have another conversation coming up for Thoughtful Money series next week. So tune back in next Thursday. But until then, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.